follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. My name is Shad. I'm here tonight with Matt and Brad, and we've got something special lined up for tonight. Uh, guys, are you doing well? Uh, doing well there, Shad. I'm All doing right. well as well. This is also a special celebration episode when we get to our Epico shout-out. That's true. <laughs> this is going to be a, a big thing. <clears throat> First of all, we are an affiliate with Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. It is collarandelbowbrand.com. I know I've misquoted the URL in the past. Use the promo code 4CORNERSPODCAST. That's the number 4, capital C, and corners, capital P, and podcast. No spaces. Get 10% off your order. Uh, they just had a sale going. My wife and I ordered some stuff. It ought to be here soon. Being a dad, I ordered the dad hat. So, more opportunities to, to rep and everything. And then they, we have hey, Chad, yes, Matt. They yes, still sir. have a sale. They still have that sale on. That the Insta sale? Uh, I don't know, but every, there's a lot of stuff that's discounted. At least, oh, cool. uh, At least like twenty five percent or twenty percent. The uh, uh, there's some great deals on there right now. Well, we are our promo code stacks with those deals too. Yeah. So I'm gonna, uh, have, to, I'm gonna have to buy a shirt. Yeah, and then. Um, we have another special shout-out. This is special to shout-out tonight, isn't that right, Matt? Uh, yeah, that'd be to Epico Cologne, the heavyweight champion of the World Wrestling Council. No, he is, right. the, he is the universal champion of, of the, the universal champion. Council. Okay, yes. sorry, I, I wasn't giving him <laughs> enough to do. It's not just heavyweight, it's universal. And I believe, I believe Carlos Cologne has held that belt like 5,000 times, like Jerry Lawler <laughs> in the Southern heavyweight title. Probably. <laughs> But we're happy to hear Epico winning it. He had it on his Instagram. Uh, we're uh, happy that he's actually uh, wrestling somewhere. That apparently true. someone with eyeballs is watching. Yes. Instead of the WWE, which like he might as well not exist. You know, yeah. um, a, an interesting side story about the World Wrestling Council is they because of that that hurricane a couple years ago, mm-hmm. they actually didn't run shows for like a really long time. I think like six or eight months. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, big shout out to Epico. We are happy you're doing well. Now, let's get into the meat of tonight's episode. Tonight, uh, we've done something like this similar in the past, but tonight we have a special guest on. We have a guest. This is a, um, a friend of mine that I worked with on the indie scene. Um, one of the more, one of the most knowledgeable guys that I, I I've come across in my time. I'd like to introduce uh, Mr. J.R. Rock. J.R., would you like to say hello to everybody? Hey, guys. How are you doing? Glad to be on the show. We're glad to have you, J.R. Um, we're going to be talking to J.R. about, uh, well, his career lasted longer than mine. His is still going, so it's going to continue to outlast mine. 
and may even become a uh, exponentially longer career than mine was, if it wasn't already. So, um, just to kind of start things off, Jr. Um, when did uh, when did you like uh, first get into wrestling? What was your what was your introduction to it? Uh, I grew up watching uh, Saturday morning wrestling on Fox, watching the WWF on Saturday and Sunday morning as a kid. Okay. You have any favorites in that time period? Oh yeah, Macho Man Randy Savage was always my favorite growing up. A big fan of his. I believe that we're we're a hundred percent on guests we have on being Macho Man fans. Is that right? That's yeah. That that's true. Like, it wasn't Alex Angel like a big Macho fan he, back in the day. He's, the, the whole time we did that Macho Man uh, Mega Powers explode. All I could think about was Alex Angel going, "You got jealous eyes, Hogan." <laughs> jealous eyes, Hulk Hogan. That, you yeah. know what? Then let's let's go ahead and throw that on the table there for Jr. Who was correct in the Mega Powers? Who who was right? Was it Macho oh. or was it was it Hulk Hogan? I'll go take Macho's side. I mean, he was I, right. We we did we literally <laughs> did like a whole introspective, and I'm sorry, Macho was in the right. Hulk Hogan had jealous eyes. We've established that. Oh, definitely. <laughs> everybody, everybody had jealous eyes for Elizabeth. Everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's uh, you know. I'm glad we have this cleared up. It's it's. I, I don't think that's a point we touched on in the retrospective. Is it? It's canon oh. as far as the show is uh, concerned. <laughs> I, I have a question. So, based on region, were you exposed to like the USWA and? Um, Smoky Mountain wrestling at all? I was when I was older, yeah, like in the nineties and stuff. I got a little bit of their television. I got uh, USA Main Event, Smoky Mountain, a couple other regional ones, uh, as, well, as well as the WWF. And then I started watching WCW in the nineties too when I got older. But uh, growing up, uh, elementary school age and stuff is all WWF. What? Um... Is there a particular promotion that has a style that really spoke to you that that you enjoyed more than the others? Um, when I was a kid, I really enjoyed it all. But as I got older, one of my favorite promotions is Stampede. Oh, wow! That is not one we hear invoked very often. Well, uh, uh, their, their style of wrestling kind of what I embody. Because as I got older, the, my influences changed. I became a huge Bruiser Brody fan. Uh, and all the, the style in Stampede was so hard-hitting and aggressive and realistic style and believable. That's what I tried to make my style. So that's why I really enjoy that Stampede-style wrestling. Can I can I ask then, like, how did you get into Stampede? Because, I mean, I, I probably had heard about it growing up from, like, getting a random, like, after mag. Because, you know, like, those after mags, like Pro Wrestling Illustrator or something like that, they would they would usually have like maybe an article about a stampede wrestler or they would have like the results of stampede stuff buried in the back with the results of like all the other promotions, uh, shows and everything. But I never even saw any of it until like much, much later. It was definitely like the tape trading days when, yeah, before yeah, I even got exposed to it. Um, well, I really liked, uh, like I said, WWF, but, uh, all those guys from Calgary, you know, that kind of led me into it. The dynamite kid, the bulldog, Mm-hmm. Uh, the Heart Foundation, all those guys. I'm a huge Jim Neidhart fan and Dynamite Kid fan as well. And then just trying to do more research on those kind of guys uh, as I got older led me into the Stampede. And then 
getting some VHS from the um, there. There was a thing in one of the old magazines you could do like uh, you could order VHS tapes and uh, do like a newsletter to get newsletters from stuff. I used to do that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. so you're really old school. Yeah, yeah. Jr. Just since you touched on it, um, just for for the folks at home that have not gotten to because uh, because we're going to plug here in just a second, but maybe haven't gotten to watch any of your stuff. How would you kind of overall summarize your style? What would you call it? Uh, uh, I'm more of a brawler. I'm not like a, a great technical wrestler. I mean, I can do a little bit of everything because I've been around so long, but. Uh, high intensity, high impact, high motor, go, 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 uh, brawler, uh, roughneck kind of style, I would say. And, uh, how long have, uh, how long have you been at this? I've got, actually got an anniversary coming up in February. It will be 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. Got me beat all hollow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay though. You know what you're talking about. That's the big thing. So who are who are some of your like favorite brawlers that you really draw on past Brody and Nightheart? Uh, past Brody and Nightheart. Like, are you a Stan Hansen guy? Oh yeah, I'm a big Stan Hansen fan. He's fan fans great. I like Stan. Uh, I wasn't a Barbarian fan, or Berserker fan because he was just a rip off of Brody. Um. <laughs> I like Sid. I mean, Sid's a big guy. Like when he was doing Lord Humongous and that kind of stuff. I mean, he can't really wrestle. He's more of a brawler, I would say. Um, like the all the big men, I really liked uh, doing the, the big man stuff. Like you, like Haku and the Barbarian. I like both those guys. They're brawlers. I was, I was about to ask if you liked Ming when he was like doing his badass stuff in WCW. Yeah, yeah, I like that stuff. So. um I want to also throw this out there, if if you don't mind, Jr. Is I have to give you a plug because you have done something, as far as I'm aware, that is rather unique. You are the only guy I have come across that wears a kilt in the ring that is not doing a Highlander or Roddy Piper ripoff gimmick, and I want to give you props for that. <laughs> That's true. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> My gimmick, uh, well, the gimmick I've been doing for a long time is the king of the strap match thing. I've got that leather strap that mm-hmm. I carry around. I'm sure you've seen that before. Uh, the kilt, uh, I just started wearing that by chance. Um, I used to do the tots and uh, singlets and stuff, and we had a show in Georgetown, and uh, I brought a kilt for some guys who want to do a Roddy Popper costume for a Halloween show, and they ended up not using it. And uh, one of the guys there named Scotty Ray was like, we ought to wear that kilt out there, JR. You know, it would be over. So I, I, I did it, you know, and it, it was over. So I just started doing it ever since. So the uh, the strap match thing. Uh, the first match I had with you, we were, in a, we were in a small town called Liberty. And you had your strap. And you said to me, you said, listen, if this doesn't go as well as we want, I'm going to unwind the strap. And I kind of looked at you and I was like, <laughs> okay, what do you want me to do? <laughs> Where did the um, the the strap match inspiration come from? Um, well, um, I, after I left the NWA in 2006, I went and started working for uh, Joe Clark and Appalachian Wrestling Federation okay. and Darryl at the uh, Hardcore Championship Wrestling. 
Okay. And I wanted to just turn it up a notch, you know. I was like, man, all these guys, you know, it's weak looking. It's not believable. I was like, let's try to turn the volume up. And the promoter was like, hey, I'm all with it. What do you got in mind? I was like, well, I want to start doing the strap match gimmick, you know, king of the strap match, the toughest guy around kind of thing. And the promoter was more than happy to let me do it and gave me the push. So when I got the green light, I started doing that. Okay. And you've had that strap with you ever since. Ever since, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. I listened to a Jim Cornette um, podcast where he talked about, like, how you pick out, like, the perfect strap to get the maximum amount of sound with as little damage as possible. Yeah. And he laid out, like, I think, was it the, is it the, the, like, the, the wider ones give you a better sound? Yes. I just found it fascinating the level of thought that goes into that stuff so that that kind of raises a question for me um as a city boy how the hell does one find a strap (laughs) like where does that Uh, where do you even acquire such a thing they're usually custom made the one i have i had a a saddle saddle maker out of texas made it for me it's uh, 12 feet long it's three inches wide and a half inch thick double layered leather half inch thick yeah It's, it's pretty thick. <laughs> Not only that, and I'm, I'm going to speak from experience here, but when JR holds that sucker up, it is as wide as his fist. Yeah, it's three inches wide. Everybody's three inches wide. So that's, you know, that, that first night, I'm like, hey, man, it's nice to meet you. Uh, just tell me what you want to do. And he starts wrapping that thing around his hand. And in the back of my head, I'm going, okay, what have I gotten into? It is, it is a... Um, it is an intimidating gimmick. So, the um, let's see. I'm sorry, guys. You go ahead. I've I've kind of been dominating the question so far. Um, let's see. So, how did you decide? Like, how do you go take that step from I really enjoy wrestling to I want to do this? Uh, well, for me, it started in high school. Uh, me and a bunch of my buddies were backyard wrestlers, like most people were from my generation, I guess. And we just got lucky. Uh, one of the guys who backyard wrestled, his mom worked with a guy who was uh, working in the indie circuit. Uh, his name was Jim Chadwick. He's like a legendary front manager uh, in Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he connected me with Danny Fargo, who was also a wrestling legend in the region. Uh, and I started training there while I was still in high school and, from there, it just took off. Did they uh, did they wheel you on over to the um, the mental asylum so you could meet Roughhouse? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> just just for a second, God God rest Jim Chadwick. We miss him. Yeah, we sure do. We sure do. So, um, Jim Chadwick did something I, I I never had a manager do for me before, and I don't mean I'm just sharing as we do this because you brought him up. Jim Chadwick is the only heel manager I ever dealt with with a face that actually backed up from me. <laughs> so that uh, Jim Jim was very good at what he did. I agree, one hundred percent. Yep. Okay. So what's a, what's um? This is a question I've I've I had thought of recently that I've meant to ask before. So so you go through training for I don't know how long you go through training before you actually have a match. So what's it like? You go through all this training, you have these ideas in your head, they've told you all this stuff, 
And then you actually have to go out there in front of, like, real-life people and execute this stuff. Like... And actually do it. Like, what's it like going from, like, kind of the theory to the actual doing of it? Um, if you do it the right way and get broken properly, it's not that bad. Um, I trained for eight months before I ever had a, my first match in front of people. And normally, the progression is you do your training, you do a few battle royals, you get put in a tag team with a veteran to help guide you and teach you, and then you can start having singles matches. That's the normal the proper progression. So when I had my first match, it just so happened I was in my hometown. So I got through in a battle royal in my hometown. <laughs> so that added a little extra nervousness to it. Uh, but once you get out there, you forget about the crowd and you're trying to focus on just what you're doing, you know, and you kind of calm down a little bit. So what's like, what's a, what's a, is a worker like, what's a battle royal like versus just say any other kind of match because it seems like a lot of chaos um a battle royal is they're really easy it's really a lot of nothing until you get down to like the final couple of guys you're just choking and punching and kicking and trying to stay in everybody else's way <laughs> yeah yeah that that that's about the best way i've i've heard someone sum it up so then how long does it take you and I, I guess I can ask Shad this too. How long does it take you to actually kind of start developing your identity in the ring and like figuring out like, okay, like this works for me. This really doesn't. The crowd seems like this. They don't like that. Um, well, the first couple of years you're in the business, you're just still trying to figure out what's going on and listen to the veterans. So you really don't have much of an idea what you're doing. After that, you kind of start getting your own feel of, what you're doing, how you, if you're doing it the right way or not, then you can try to start developing your character more and more after that. At least for me, that was my experience. I, I never, I never, I always kept fiddling with my stuff, so I don't really have a good answer for you on this. Oh I yeah, I still, I still develop my character and try new things and all the time. So, so can you guys now for both of you? I know. Can you go back and watch film of yourself, or do you just like sit there and pick yourself apart the whole time? Well, when I watch it, I am picking out mistakes or something I should have done whenever I do go back and watch film. Yeah. <laughs> there's some of my stuff I can go back and watch. Uh, there's other stuff that I look at and I, I, uh, I cringe or I throw up in my mouth a little bit. Because um, <laughs> I, I look at it, I'm like, oh, God. Because there, my my problem was I would get in my own head, and when I got in my own head, I'd be like, "Oh no, no, no! You shouldn't be doing this. You know, change the way you're throwing the punch. You better do that." And then I get in my own head and I do that, and my punches look like just garbage or something like that. Do you, do you think that that's like a common thing? Yeah, everybody when they rewatch their matches, they overthink it and be like, oh, "I could have did so much better." And yeah, how to sock this up. You gotta have a short short memory in this business because if you think about it too much, you'll you'll just keep messing up. Yeah, yeah. Because I actually I, I was listening to like an older um, Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast not that long ago, and he basically said the same thing. Which you know he's someone who had he's he reached as high as you could go, but it was still fascinating to me because he he flat out said like yeah I, I I try not to watch that much of my my stuff because even even like 
matches that he had at this point, like 20 years back, he would still get annoyed because he'd, he'd watch it and be like, ah, I should have done this differently and the crowd could have popped more. Um, so it's just, that's to me, that's kind of fascinating having never actually stepped foot in a ring. Uh, but it makes total sense because, yeah, it's like that. that's what you're... It, it's either your livelihood or it's something that you have a lot of passion for. So, yeah, I can see being like incredibly neurotic about your performance if you're trying to elicit like a great reaction just micromanaging everything you've done after the fact just kind of like taking it apart yeah Yeah, i was gonna say even like doing fantasy booking i can't go back and read like a promotion i've booked in the past because i'll just be like why did i do this why (laughs) like i had this thing sitting right here that i just was in the moment ignored like i i totally get like not being able to yeah the um the thing I was going to say is I've got a few matches that I can watch and be like, you know what? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. There might've been stuff I could have done, but I'm happy with watching it. And then there's some stuff where I'm just like, I'm embarrassed that this is committed to film. So, so do you think Sabu, like when he goes back and watches a match that says, <laughs> why did I try and break that table three times? Or do you think he's just saying, why didn't that goddamn table break? I think it's the latter. I don't think, <laughs> One of the things, just just to clear you, and one of the things we've talked about is the charm of Sabu is when something goes wrong and he becomes obsessed with getting the spot right to the complete derailment of his matches. I hate, absolutely hate when anybody does that. Anybody. I've had a lot of experiences on shows with these younger guys who call a bunch of spots. and if They go out there and they miss it. They try to reset and go back through and do the spot. And it's like, just, just keep going. You don't have to go back and get that spot in. Just keep going. <laughs> there's this ECW it was um Heatwave 98 with Rob Van Dam and Sabu versus um Hayabusa <laughs> and I don't remember the other guy now but Hakushi. Yeah, Hakushi. Yeah, it was Jensei Jensei Shinsuke. Yeah. yeah. The the tape like the leg on the table broke and Sabu was so obsessed with with this table not working right that he actually derailed the whole match and got the other guys trying to get the table to like sit up properly. And derailed the match for like five to ten minutes. It was amazing. Wow. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Sabu, Sabu's going to elicit a laugh out of me because I know where this is going to go. I know what's going to happen. It's, it's part of his charm. Like, the, if you want to watch a Sabu match, you just, have to, you just have to accept that sometimes he tries a spot three or four times. He's, he's, that's um, one thing... And Jr., I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce. Up. I'm sorry, by the way. The um, the pips of House Meowsher Smiths is making her opinion quite known tonight. <laughs> if you can hear, um, that's something that I had someone say to me real early on: is don't be one of those. Don't don't repeat the spot. If it didn't work, let it go. Yeah, yeah. Because a lot of times you can tell if somebody messes up and they try to circle back around and do the same thing again. The crowd's like, oh, well, they just messed up there. It's- Try to keep the match flowing as smooth as possible, and yeah, pick something else up. Yeah. So, Jr., it's there's when it comes to wrestling in general, you know, you and the the genie's kind of out of the bottle um, on a lot of this stuff. But what are some some general rules that you like to adhere to in your stuff? Uh, as far as what in match stuff or in the locker room, or what do you what do you mean specifically? Whatever comes to mind, because you're going to come up with stuff I'm not going to think of to ask about because I've been hitting the head too much. 
Oh, uh, well, I'm real old school because I was trained by an old school guy who wrestled in the 70s and 80s. So, like, locker room etiquette is always important to me. You come in and introduce yourself. Uh, some of the places I wrestle at, we still still try to do kayfabe as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm still doing a lot of old school stuff and uh, just trying to keep it traditional and tell a good story in the ring and make everything believable. Not, okay. not a lot of the nonsense that you see, the silly stuff. <laughs> Not a fan of the Tower of Doom spots or anything, right? No, I've I've done Tower of Doom spots, but oh, I mean, okay. like, like uh, some of the stuff, like the invisible door and the hand grenade, that kind of not so much that kind of stuff like you see in Shikara and DDT and stuff like that. Sure. Do you do you ever um, do you ever look and say, you know what? Let's let's just let's just have a a, a comedy match or a silly match tonight. Or do you, do you keep things pretty serious? Depends on what I'm doing. I've got a, a hooded gimmick that I do that all he does is comedy gimmicks. It's just like a filler if we're short on somebody or we need somebody to get put over. I just throw on the mask and we just job him out and do a comedy match for somebody. Okay. But my stuff is usually just serious, serious stuff. You know, try to keep it as straight as possible. Gotcha. Okay. There, there are some times whenever I look and I go, man, I wish I had, uh, I wish I'd loosened up and done some silly stuff. That would have been fun. But uh, that's that's me. That's, I think that's just personal taste. Uh, well, that, the, uh, I'll go here. I was gonna say the best healing I ever saw was at a Chikara show where they stole some woman's water bottle and they used it for some spot. And then the guy went to give it back to her, and right as she was about to reach it, he just dropped it on the ground. Oh, that's good stuff, yeah. <laughs> he was dressed like a boar. Was that a proletariat? Yes, the proletariat boar of Moldova. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What were um, you saying, JR? Uh, you said you wanted to do, like, wish you had done some silly stuff. I was going to say that hooded gimmick that I have doesn't get much sillier than that. Uh, his name is the Nippler, and he's got a glove that's just got nipple fingers on it. <laughs> yeah. Brings a plunger out to the ring with him and sits on, so it's all the silly comedy. Wow, that hooded gimmick. Okay, <laughs> I, I told Matt and Brad about this off the air, but I'll share it with you and, and see what you think. I had a thought, oh, a few months ago, of doing the the dance style gimmick where you've got this whole th- in the middle of the match, you just stop and you go, wait. And you start doing something silly because I'd been watching the mask and the, doing the Cuban Pete bit in the middle of a match where the you're having the other guy do the conga and he's like complaining about it the whole time and you're into it. Just seemed to me like you could have a lot of fun with that. Um, yeah, you can do stuff like that. There's a guy that works at one of the companies I work at now and he's doing like a kind of like a dude love uh, Jimmy Valiant kind of hippie dance boogie gimmick. Yeah. Uh, I wrestled him, and when we get out there, like right in the middle of the match, he just wants to stop and boogie and dance and have a good time, you know. And he's getting <laughs> having a lot of fun, and I'm getting all bent out of shape because I'm I'm there to wrestle, not not dance and goof off. So yeah, it's it's good. It's a good contrast. That reminds me, and I'm 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 taking a, a side turn here. <clears throat> there was a a gimmick that got some notoriety uh, a little man, year year and a half back. And I didn't know if you'd been on the same card as <clears throat> the liberal Democrat. No, it was the liberal oh, yeah. progressive. Was that what it was? Yeah. Uh, I worked a couple of shows with him down at uh, Appalachian Mountain. Okay. 
Um, was that as over as I guessed it would be? Like, I thought that was going to draw serious heat. Uh, yeah, it got quite a bit of heat on the shows that I was there. That he okay. They did something about Trump. He was challenging Trump to, to come and debate him, I think, on one of the shows that I was at. <laughs> and we had somebody else come out in a Trump mask. <laughs> well, he actually, he actually, um, the interesting thing about that is he played face or heel depending on the political bent of the area he was wrestling in. Right. So, like, it's, if he would wrestle in, like, like New Jersey or something, he'd probably be a face. And he would actually wrestle differently depending on that. Do you know if he's still doing that? Um, he was at the end of last year, as far okay. as I know he was still doing it. I, I hadn't found any references to him, so I figured I'd ask. That was the last time I think I was on the show with him. Have okay. you ever worked one with... Um, um, oh, I'm going to get his first name wrong. I think it's Jake Manning, the Man Scout. No, I've heard of him, but I haven't worked with him. Okay. He, uh, he actually wrestled at uh, one of the WrestleCon shows in New York. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he was actually. I, you know what? I did. I should. I could have gone up to his booth. I didn't. But he was. Uh, he was like selling merch and everything after the show. He was there like all weekend. Have you all seen that guy that does that space monkey gimmick? Yeah, he wrestles in Ohio a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the guys down here were talking to him about bringing him in. He's pretty good. Um, yeah, I saw some of his video. He can do some really athletic stuff. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna turn again here if you guys don't mind. Jr. Who are some of your? Um, well, no, that that's gonna be getting too much. I want to go back to the other question then. What are some in ring rules you like to adhere to? This is it's like this is this. I mean, everything has kind of got a ninety ten rule to it. You do it ninety percent of the time, except for when you don't. But what are some of the rules you like to adhere to? Uh, make contact. Like, don't throw a punch and miss somebody by two or three inches. You know, okay. you're not going to hurt nobody. It's not ballet. If you're going to yeah. hit somebody, hit somebody, you know. <laughs> right. Involve uh, the crowd. That's what you're there for. Don't just go out there and have your match with your opponent and ignore the crowd. Those are two two huge things. Because if you go out there and the crowd don't care, there ain't no point in being there. But you're going out there to get them get them fired up. That was something I liked when we worked together is is – you know, we, we weren't laying it into each other, but we're making contact, and it's way easier to sell when you're making contact as yeah. opposed to someone who's, you see daylight between their shots. So Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, if you don't mind, because you mentioned that you, you kept kayfabe some places, what were some, some locker room rules you've, uh, you uh, preferred, or that you adhere to? Uh, locker room uh, preferences? Mm-hmm. Uh, just be respectful of the veterans. You know, if some vets come in, you got a seat. Hey, offer them a chair. That kind of mm-hmm. thing. Uh, if if they're talking, you know, trying to get a point across, you know, don't ignore them. Just listen, pay attention, because you can learn. No matter how long you've been in the business, um, you can always learn from the veterans. Like one of the companies I wrestle for now, I've been doing this twenty years, and there's guys that's on that roster that's got ten, twelve years on me. So. Wow. Yeah, so I'm, I can still always you can always learn by listening to stories in the locker room, and just being respectful. That's the sure. biggest thing. Sure. Um, just for the sake of argument, what is your what? Uh, it might vary by time, or as time goes by, you might switch it up. But what do you uh, what do you finish with these days? Um, well, if I'm in a building with the ceiling high enough to do it, I do uh-huh. the Alabama Bam quite a bit. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I floated that out. You and I are, in terms of height, not that far apart. I floated that idea a couple of places, and I had some people look at me and be like, I don't know if I would. And I don't know if they looked at me, and they're like, I'm afraid of having your fat ass land on me. Or, <laughs> But I, I had I had some people be like, ah, no, nah, I wouldn't. So I, I had never thought it, you know. I'd considered it a little bit, but just kind of passed on it. Uh, yeah. If you don't have a high enough ceiling, what do you like? Uh, I'm a heel. I get disqualified. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> That's it. I'm always a heel. Just about 95% of the places I go, uh, usually 100%. So uh, it's either a DQ or put on the ropes or something. And if there's a high enough ceiling and they want a clean win, it's probably the Alabama jam. Okay. What's a, as a heel, what's your go-to, like, move that works more often than not to get a crowd to boo you? Oh, with my gimmick, I got that uh, kilt. That's instant heat. You know, bearded lady, uh, chance, skirt, you know, it's it's easy with that. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, sometimes I don't, even have, I don't even do nothing. I just come out and the skirt chance starts. Yeah. <laughs> there are some guys that can walk through the curtain and you're just, they just generate heat immediately um so yeah yeah you're that gimmick's pretty good for it i've known a few of those guys some of them were good guys and then some of them it wasn't a gimmick um <laughs> all right let's see uh, i always guys- liked um going to shows with chuck taylor because he usually plays a heel and he would just like be walking by someone and grab their like bottle of mountain dew and just chuck it across the building <laughs> definitely get to keep doing that <laughs> or he liked to scare children that was also his big thing that's always my favorite when he would scare small children yeah and make them cry yeah that was always fun that's that's a pretty easy way to do it um i know you all had alex angel on the show once um me and him we did an angle where i got a lot of heat where i worked him there was a fan she's like this big super fan and she had taken some pictures with her and alex and he gave me a copy of the picture of him and her together. So when I went out, you know, she's all up in my face is booing and saying, Alex is going to beat you and this. And I said, oh, yeah, well, I got some of you. So I pulled out the picture of her and Alex, and I tore it up and threw it in her face. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and she was she was so upset, she didn't even stop to think, well, how did he get that picture of me and Alex? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, that's that's what I hate about going to WWE shows now is it's such a it's so mechanical at those shows and no one like reacts to the crowd. Yeah, well, they're not allowed. You know, they've got all their agents that say, hey, you got to go out there and do this and this and this. And they can't vary from the script that they're given. So they're not they're not allowed to do all that stuff. Because it was it was remarkable. I went to an NXT show once and, and the big show was working it. Mm-hmm. And um, the show the was working was, NXT. This is like th- this is when they were first touring. Mm. Um, so they they put some guys on that show because this was like the first show they ever did outside of Florida. So I think they were worried about the draw. But you know, you had this whole show of no one interacting with the crowd, and the crowd was kind of heckling him. And he stops the match and gets on the microphone. He's like, "You know what?" He's like, "I've got five more years on my contract." Just to. <laughs> 
just to screw with the crowd. It was great. That's awesome. Okay, I, I've been talking a lot. One of you guys, go go for it. Let's let's throw this open. This anytime we have someone on, it ends up being me and me and the guest just BSing back and forth. And you guys, it feels like you guys just kind of sit there and you're like. Looking yeah, but, at your watches condescendingly or something. Yeah, but well, no, but I've told you though. I think it's more interesting to for listeners to hear two people talking to each other as peers because that is more of a rarity mm-hmm. than him being on a podcast with people that haven't done it. Oh, that's fair. So enough. it's a bit of a different perspective. Okay. Yeah. Plus, I also I'm not a good interviewer. Uh, <laughs> I don't have good questions. Um, but I do have a question. Um, <laughs> I wish this was an original one of, of mine, but it's not. But anyway, um, so JR, are you the type uh, of a worker? Do you do you like to lay out your match before the match actually happens with your opponent? Or are you a guy who's kind of like old school, let's call it in the ring? Uh, depends on who I'm in there with. Uh, some of the guys that I work, you have to lay out everything before. And then there's some guys that I've worked with so much, we just go out there and do it and have a good time. Mm. It, and well, I guess, how, how do you figure out which type of opponent is it? Is it like the younger guys? Have, you have to lay it all out for them? Uh, most of the younger guys, if they haven't been in the business very long, they're not comfortable with just going there and, out there and doing it. Um, there's like Some of the older school shows that I've worked for here in Kentucky still have split mm. locker rooms. So when we do those shows, the younger guys are kind of like uh, shitting bricks because they, they don't know what they're going to do because they can't <laughs> lay out their match with their opponents. Yeah. Uh, split split which way? Like, like, like uh, the babies? Heels? No, K-fade? like the babies are mm-hmm. all in one locker room and the heels are in a separate locker room. And the only time I see my opponent is when they get in the ring with me. You don't see oh, them wow. until... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's some old school stuff. Um, yeah. That's one of the things I've liked about AEW is they give that appearance because the heels and the faces come out of different entranceways. I've liked that too. Um, for for what it's worth, Jr. I, I've I, I don't like to call a whole lot. I like an opener. I like a comeback. And I like a finish. Um, yeah, that's all you need. The rest is just filler. Yeah, and and you can you can kind of goof off with that. The um, the you know listen to the crowd see what's pissing them off seeing what's not. Yep. Uh, have you had an instance of having a rookie who just vapor locked on you? You're trying to have something with them, and you're trying to mix it up because the crowd's really wrecking something, and they just like gear in the headlights on you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too long ago, I was down at Appalachian, and they had these two young trainees who I didn't think were ready to be in the ring, but it was this huge show. They were both still in high school, and it was at their high school, so all the crowd was there to see them. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was a big, big spotlight for them. Uh huh. It, it was a tag match, so I just called to open the spot with the kid. I said, "Okay, do a little bit of stuff. Uh, you duck the clothesline, give me a drop kick." So we did our deal. I went to go to the clothesline. He ducked it. I turned back around. He didn't do anything. He tried to duck under another clothesline that wasn't going to be there. So finally, I just clotheslined him. I was like, "Hey, calm down, kid. That's not what you're supposed to be doing." <laughs> Wow. Yeah. You said that uh, you're healed 95% of the time. Is it because you prefer it or you just have a natural inclination that way? Uh, that's just usually how everybody books me. Do you prefer being a heel or a face? 
Uh, I can do either, but I think it's more fun to be a heel. Okay. It's harder to be a babyface. It's harder to get people to cheer for you. It's easy to make them hate you. That's that's the um, that's kind of what I found is being a heel was easier. I had more fun as a babyface, but it's so I found it so easy to be a heel. Yeah. Uh, so it's, 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 easy, it's easy to be a, he- a baby too if you got a good heel to help get you that's over ground. Well, it, yeah, you got someone good to play off of. I'm I'm kind of in the opinion that the um, a really good baby doesn't have to have that, but yeah, you're right, you're right. So, all so right. Have, have you ever like been st- like uh, Shad has this story with Bobby Eaton? Have you ever been in the locker room and just some um, wrestler you idolize just sits down like next to you because they're on the show and you're just like, holy shit, like that's you know. Such and such. Uh, most of the wrestlers that I grew up liking were all dead by the time I started wrestling or retired. But there's some that I was real big fans of. Uh, like, I've been on shows with the Rock and Roll Express, a Raven. I was a huge Raven fan in the 90s when he was doing, early 2000s when he was doing that flock gimmick. So I was really excited about working on the show with him. That would probably be the biggest one. Uh, I've been on shows with Dutch Mantel, One Man Gang, those kind of guys. Uh mm. Uh, Lanny Poffo, I was really excited to meet him just because it's Randy's brother. How, how did you, uh, the first time that happened, how did you react? Um, I was okay. I didn't try to mark out or anything because the way I was brought up by Danny Fargo, uh, he's like, hey, look, they're just workers like everybody else. You know, be respectful. If they said, uh, come over and talk to you, introduce yourself, tell them who you are, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just try to be a professional. Maybe mark down a little bit after the show and get a picture or something. But <laughs> that cool. was um, the story that I, that Brad alluded to. I don't think I ever told you this story. I know I've said it on episodes before, but my first night in the business, I'm there. I've done some training, and they have me being a manager. So you get used to being out in front of people, right? And so I'm sitting in the locker room with the guy that brought me in because this was a, like, I didn't show up and be like, hey, I want to train. I had a friend. I had a guy literally bring me in. I'm sitting there with him and we're talking and all of a sudden Bobby Eaton walks in and I look and I see him walk in and out of reflex, I was like, Mr. Eaton, would you like my chair? And he, he grabs one. He goes, no, thanks. That's okay, kid. And he sets it down right next to me and he's sitting there. And in my head, there's one, there's one phrase going in. Don't mark out. 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 So it's just a, just sat there. I said, it's nice to meet you, sir. I'm glad you're here. And then I just shut up. Right. Because I didn't want to be that guy. Um, and so that's served me well since then. The only person I've gotten nervous meeting since then was was Sting. And that, I, I yeah, I got a little bit nervous meeting Sting. But that was about it. So, sorry, I don't mean to hijack. I just figured I might as well reference it while we were. All right. So uh, go do ahead. You have, do, do you have promotions that you enjoy watching currently? Uh, I don't watch a whole lot of wrestling on TV, especially not WWE. Uh, I've watched a little bit of the AEW. Uh, I have. I want to see some MLW. I've heard a lot of people talking about. It, but I haven't got to watch it yet. But between my shoot job and wrestling, I don't have a lot of time to sit down and watch wrestling. Like this summer, I've been doing two, three, four shows a week with all the fair shows and twenty-two or three companies or four companies I work for sometime at a time. I've been, I stay pretty busy. <laughs> if, I you're to, 
sorry. Uh, I try to stay relative by listening to the podcast and keeping up to date on stuff as much as I can when I'm at work. But to, to like, sit down and watch them, I don't have a lot of time to watch them. If you're interested, MLW's on the Fight app. Okay. Yeah, so. they they have uh, I think all their weekly shows are on, yeah. on the Fight app, like for free, and they're easy to find. Just a quick search, and you'll pull it up. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, and it's only like an hour, so it's it's decent for in and out real quick. Yeah, and I should add, like I don't, I actually don't really watch. Uh, like MLW or anything like that uh, on the fight app, like I, not on my like TV, like through a Roku or my smart TV. I usually just do it on my phone. So it actually, it's, it's super easy to watch through the fight app. Like if you're out somewhere, you have like a few minutes, you can easily like kill like 10, 15 minutes at a time, just watching some of the stuff. Oh, okay. Awesome. I'll have to check into that. And uh, hey. if you, if you haven't gotten to watch any AEW stuff for what it's worth, the, I think the sh- the show so far, you've been able to watch through Bleacher Report, right? Yeah, most of their shows have been on Bleacher Report. So you can you can go through those, and I've had to break those into uh, break those into pieces to watch because um, I couldn't do the whole thing in one go. But um, it's it's been nice to have them on there because then that way you're able to to you know enjoy that as well. Yeah, I've listened to Jim Cornette's reviews of some of their shows, but I haven't got to watch them. Okay. If you haven't seen um, Cody vs. Dustin's really good, and it's got a lot of blood. Cody Dustin was, is one of my favorite matches of the last few years. So, I would definitely say it's probably in their brief, short period as a company. I think that that's still like their best match. They've only, I mean, they've only had like what three, three, three official, shows. yeah, three yeah. official shows. So it's it's a it's a limited universe, but um, I I still think that's going to be like a tough one to top. I think that's going to be in a lot of people's like best of year lists. It's on mine. Yeah. 